from South Bend, Indiana, in the shadows of the Golden Dome, Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports bring you Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values, why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time to get you caught up on all things Irish. Here's John Brock and Angelo DiCarlo. Marcus Freeman finally makes his Notre Dame Stadium debut as head coach at Notre Dame today. And boy, would we have been the ultimate toast of the town had the Irish finished off second-ranked Ohio State last Saturday in a top-five showdown that was watched by more than 10 million people. And a lot of those people were believing the Irish were going to come away with a victory. But instead, a third-quarter lead dissolved. Ohio State rallied, and the Irish were left in defeat 21-10. So now Marcus Freeman's home debut against Marshall comes with Notre Dame sitting at 0-1 on the season with ND fans still wondering what if we just did this to come away with a huge victory in the season opener. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo, so glad to be with you this morning on Redeemer Radio and to our friends at Iowa Catholic Radio also joining in this morning. Joined by John Brock. John, I think there will be a fun atmosphere today. The home opener always is, right? There's going to be a buzz on campus all morning long. No people have already felt it the last couple of days. Yeah, like and, and into town. people are tailgating already, and certainly you can you can feel that. Um, but I doubt it will even remotely rival uh, the atmosphere last week when you were in person. And so it'll be interesting how that dynamic plays in together for the home opener. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubt. Last week, a, a top-five matchup, I mean – for one thing, there will be 30,000 less people in the stadium today than there were last week. and It is sold people, out officially. Okay. So, but, and a lot of people, but capacity as you, is yes, 30,000 less. A lot yes. of people mentioned, like, last week, you know, the offense could barely hear the snap count or had to do a silent snap count. A lot of things different, but it'll still be a great environment. And as a lot of players have mentioned this week, uh, it'll be one that's behind them this week uh, at home. So, I, I'm sure it'll be a great home atmosphere for the Irish to, to get underway for the second game of the season. Yeah, on tap on this morning's show, we will hear from Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame players on the, on the goosebumps of running out of the tunnel for a home opener. Pre-game mass is back on game day. It, used, it, it always was on the day of the game. Then at some point during his tenure, Brian Kelly shifted that to be on the Friday. Now it returns to Saturday. We'll hear from Marcus Freeman on why he made that important change. Our featured interview is, is, is with Notre Dame wide receiver Matt Salerno, a huge Notre Dame fan growing up. He was coming to Notre Dame as a student, then realized... Uh, why not? I can, I can. Apparently, I can walk on this football team. Not only did he make the team that first year, he's now earned a scholarship and had a big catch going to Ohio State. Great conversation about faith, family, and football. And we'll let you know what to make of this Marshall team later in the show as well. But let's start with where this program stands at 0-1 heading into today. John, do you have a better feeling about the state of the program and the state of this year's team this morning than you did one week ago at this time. Well, I think, uh, of course, we have a better feeling. We got to see him take on one of the top teams in the country. Okay, fine. Do you feel and better about it? I do feel a lot better about it. I mean, yes, it was a loss, and, and it's a, a game of, win, of wins and losses, but we got a lot of questions answered that we were talking about last Saturday morning. I mean, what the running back situation looks like, I feel a lot better about who's standing next to Buckner and Buckner himself. He, he's seemed pretty confident especially right off the bat now they needed a little more in that second half but still a lot of potential and a lot of answers there and the short wide receiver room we got a taste of what they can try to do uh, to adjust for that and still get of course Michael Mayer one of the the steady things coming through uh, open so I think all of that and how the Irish stayed composed for almost the whole game last week you get a great feeling for the work they put in over the summer and where this program is really standing going into this season. All right, let's let's address the Twitter crowd, the naysayers, if you will, worried about, ah, uh, same typical stuff. They blew it in the end. Uh, same thing happened against Oklahoma State. They're 0-2. I mean, or Marcus Freeman's 0-2. I mean, Marcus Freeman's 0-1, guys. He had about two days that he actually prepared for the Oklahoma State. To pin that game on him is insane. Um, Now, they did. 
I mean, Reese is terrible play caller, blah, 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 blah. Guys, relax. They had a game plan to slow the tempo down. Marcus Freeman admitted that. He wanted yeah. to slow the – he put basically handcuffs on Tommy Reese. Now, it worked for a long time. Did it work in the end? No. And that's something Marcus Freeman will learn now as a head coach. Do you want him to learn on the job? Not necessarily, but you got no choice. You hired a first-time head coach. He's gonna. He's not going to be perfect right out of the gate. Brian Kelly used to always tell us, "I'm 30 years as a Notre, yeah. you know, as a head football coach." Okay, he th- that comes with its benefits. Yeah. You may say all the negatives about Brian Kelly, but the benefits were that he had all that experience. Yeah. He went through all those. He still made a lot of mistakes on game yeah. days, but. You know, he had that experience to play off of. Marcus Freeman hasn't had that too much of that experience. So you got to give him a little slack. I know people don't want to give him any slack, but uh, (laughs) it's kind of crazy. And that's kind of what is uh, crazy to me is that there's no real slack for him. First of all, you got to acknowledge, yeah, it's his first year, as you mentioned, all that stuff. Tommy Reese is still relatively new to this all as well. And so, yes, there's going to be a lot of mistakes, especially as you saw in that second half, trying to slow things down, not taking chances. But also, I mean, these are not Marcus Freeman's recruits necessarily. I mean, he had a hand, but Brian Kelly ultimately had the say on who was receiving an offer for the last few seasons. And so you still got to give him some slack in terms of it's his first season. He doesn't exactly have all the guys that he wanted. And uh, and really, in terms of play calling, I mean, you got to cut some slack because it is a couple of new guys and a new quarterback. And people forget that a lot of those plays are audible by the quarterback. So he's really involved in that as well. So three new guys, really. And they did, still did a pretty good job on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's just kind of crazy to think that. I, I said last week if they get blown out by Ohio State, the honeymoon's over. They did not get blown out. And for, I don't want to say it's the majority of the fan base by any means. We're talking... 10 to 20%, and maybe outside of you go undefeated, you win the national championship, you're not getting most of those people, right? Um, But the honeymoon period for some is already over. And that's what happens when you start with a bowl game and then the number two team in the nation rather than starting your first game against Marshall, you know, or, or Cal out of the gate. Well, and I almost think it's a better way to start because, well, the honeymoon phase may be over for those people who expect only excellence right off the bat. It, it still creates a, a great measuring point right off the bat because if you start out with Marshall and then maybe Cal, UNLV, I mean, you don't really get a feel for your head coach and you just let that honeymoon phase go until you get awakened in the middle of the season. But I think we got a great measure right off the bat, and I think – Everyone, not just the Notre Dame fan base, everyone got to see a taste of that. I know a few Ohio State uh, fans came up to the group I was with, and they were like, hey, that was a tough one for you guys, but Marcus Freeman will get you there. And if other fan bases are seeing that, I hope that Notre Dame's fan base can see that too. What was the atmosphere like, by the way? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the, in the first quarter, you couldn't hear a thing. You couldn't hear your own thoughts. It was as loud as anything I've ever heard before. Yeah, well, there we go. It says it all right there. All right, Irish Sports Saturdays. Thanks, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, for underwriting the show. As the largest Catholic-oriented credit union in America, Notre Dame FCU serves the church in many dioceses. For 80-plus years, they've put people over profits. NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. All right, here's what Marcus Freeman, Kevin Bauman, and Riley Mills had to say on the mood of the team after letting a second-half lead slip away last week. We didn't accomplish the goal that we had, right? The goal was to win, and uh, we didn't do that. And as I said, after the game, there's no moral victories around here. You know, the expectation for us in this football program is to win every game we play, including um, playing the number two team in the country. Um, But, man, I'm proud of the way we prepared. I'm proud of how the coaches had our guys prepared. I'm proud of the way the kids played. This hopefully is the, the floor. This is the foundation of what we have to build off of. No, no one's happy with the outcome from last week. So, you know, we got a little bit of an edge to us. You know, we don't want to have that feeling again the rest of the season. So um, I think the intensity is, is higher than it's been, uh, ever been. Um, and everyone's really just chomping at the bit for Saturday. We know what we got to get done to prepare. It's it's frustrating. You know, the biggest takeaway is that, you know, I feel like we're right there. And if we take care of business and do what we can do, you know, day in, day out, and we take care of it this season, you know, I have no doubt we'll play that team again. You know, so I think the biggest thing is just come out here and do what we do.
Riley Mills, no doubt will play that team again. Obviously, uh, looking at the possibility of maybe a rematch in the in the playoff or in the national championship is the is the hope for the Irish. And they do have a path. Look, they only dropped to eighth in the AP rankings. The AP rankings mean nothing. We won't know where the committee thinks they are. But look, they held their own. They win at, now. They have no margin of error. They can't lose again, obviously. Yeah. But they win out the rest of the way. They have an opportunity here to, to to still make the playoff. No doubt in my mind. As long as USC is a quality team this year, Clemson's a quality team this year. If for whatever reason those teams and it, it turns into like last year's schedule, then maybe at eleven and one you can't. But I think you, you go eleven and one and you beat a couple of good teams. They still have a path to the playoff. Uh, absolutely. I mean, BYU is helping you out right yeah. now. They're ranked 21 as well. That's another ranked win that you can add to your resume. And of course, USC, Clemson, both playing. Those are high caliber teams. You win both of those and you're close with Ohio State. I don't think any committee member can look at that and see, well, they beat these two high ranked teams. They almost beat Ohio State, who in all likelihood will be in the playoff this year. So it would be a pretty good resume. All right. Well, how many wins will the Irish end up with? That was our poll question. 307 votes in. Eight or less only got 7%. Nine wins got 23%. Ten wins got 39%. Eleven wins got 31%. So 70% say 10 or more wins. And uh, here's what Chase had to say. For me, it's not about the wins. This was a test, and we failed again. We have to win these games to prove we belong. Of course, we'll beat Mar on Marshall, UNLV, Cal. With all the talk of the recruiting class, new coach, hungry athletes, Ohio State was a letdown. John G. said, I see a lot to build on. You really wish we had a legitimate deep threat to help balance the offense a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Hard to move the ball when everyone in the building knows it's going to the tight end. Hello, Michael Mayer. Love what Freeman has done for recruiting, so there's a lot to be excited about. All right, some thoughts from our fans. We always allow you to chime in on our, our on our Twitter poll uh, as well. John, are you adjusting how many wins you think the Irish uh, are going to win this year? What did you did you end up saying nine and three? I last ended week? up saying nine and three. A little pessimistic. I still think the Irish will will, will probably drop one against USC or Clemson. Um, so are you adjusting to I'm gonna, 10 and 2? I would adjust to 10 and 2. Okay. I, I was back and forth on those, but I think I'd adjust to 10 and 2. I think they might drop another one, and that would probably knock them out of contention for the playoff. But I think they will have a, a altogether pretty good season. I, I am tempted to go to uh, 11 and 1, but it is hard to say you are going to beat BYU, USC, and Clemson when you have – you have that many question marks on the offense, which we're going to get to here in a second. But a, a great note is that at Ohio State, they fared well at Ohio State. Yes. And they have big games against BYU in Las Vegas, and they're going to USC this year. So they still do have a chance. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's look at Let's do a little segment called uh, Biggest Concerns and Most Pleased With. Uh, John, your biggest concern with the Irish team right now? My biggest concern is that offensive line. I mean, they were ranked near the, the bottom of, of run blocking in terms of teams playing in week one, and it really showed Diggs, Estime, they were all getting hit in the backfield on over half of the run plays, and they did a great job of rolling off and finding a way to bounce outside and get some extra yards, so yet another reason why I'm impressed by this running back group, but that offensive line needs to find some way to get forward. It was it was really hard to watch. All right, um... Jared Patterson expected back today. Marcus Freeman said unless something bad on Thursday, he said unless something crazy happens in the next 48 hours, he's going to play. That's going to be a huge difference. You need you need Jared Patterson back. That will be a huge difference. But, I mean, and he's, leadership is yeah. insane on that offensive line as well. But it's still you still got to get all those other guys yeah, clicking. Oh. And, and he's back, but, I, you know, maybe is this he back, game, back? Yeah. he's he's – 80, 90 percent, but we'll see today. Uh, Marshall will give us a good tell on how healthy he is. Here's Marcus Freeman on the play of the offensive line so far. The offensive line group has, has had a really good week. Um, they're challenged. You know, they um, were not happy um, with their overall performance from the Ohio State game. And, and it's a group that has some older guys, you know, with with, with Lug, Josh Lug and, and Jay Pat and, uh, you know, some guys that have played football that um, – take a lot of pride in their performance and uh, Zeke Carell obviously being an older guy too. And so, you know, the two tackles, um, you know, Joe and Blake um, are continuing to follow their lead. And so they take a lot of pride in, in their performance and they've had a great week of practice and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them play on Saturday. 
All right, that's Marcus Freeman on the play of the offensive line here. Notre Dame taking on Marshall, the Notre Dame home opener, 2.30 Eastern kickoff at Notre Dame Stadium. You can watch the game nationwide on NBC. All right, most concerned with um, – we'll get to mine in a second, but honorable mentions got to go with the wide receivers. This is not a surprise, no. um, but this goes to your point about recruiting and – lacking in this area in the worst way and not being Marcus Freeman's fault by any means. I think he got put a little bit on Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator, yeah. not getting those guys. A lot of it on Dell Alexander, the former wide receivers coach, and certainly it all starts with Brian Kelly, that they don't have the numbers. They, simply put, they don't have the numbers at wide receivers, and they don't have – look, you had, you had walk-ons catching touchdowns in the end for Ohio State that made the difference in the game that looked like – I don't want to say they're better than Notre Dame's wide receivers, but they looked like they'd start at Notre Dame. I mean, so it, 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 the depth there is that difference. I mean, Ohio State lost the best wide receiver in the country, and they still were able to get stuff going in the, in the, in the second half. Um, so Notre Dame's struggles in, in the wide receiver group is, is something that's going to be a concern, I think, all season long. Well, I think, yeah, all season long, they're still going to have that same group of guys. They can hope that some of those younger guys and some guys like Matt Salerno, who we've talked to, I mean, develop a little more, grow into that being on the field and starting role. But uh, it's definitely going to be a struggle all season. But that's, again, where recruiting comes in, because if you look forward past this year, there are some good threats coming in, which is, as we've heard, what some of the fans want to hear. All right, uh, my biggest concern is special teams. And I'm not talking about the punter and the kicker, who actually were our concerns heading into the game. Both did well. Both In did fact, fantastic. actually, I, I bet you right now, if you ask 98% of the fan base, what is the name of the punter and the kicker, they still don't know. Which is good for them. Which is actually <laughs> a really good sign, right? If you have a new punter and kicker and you have no idea what their names are, that means they didn't make any mistakes. So that's a positive. But the return units, horrific. About as bad as you can imagine. I mean, talk about the fact that you're better off taking a fair catch on a kickoff return so you start at the 25 instead of your own 15 is unbelievable. You know, we saw what happened, by the way, Sunday with LSU with the former special teams coach and Brian Pullian. That was a disaster for LSU. But this didn't – now, granted, they didn't fumble the ball. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. But their average start of field position was ridiculous. They started past the 25 one time. They started inside their 20 like seven times. Insanity how bad that is. That that has to be fixed. And I don't – Marcus Freeman says they're working on it. They're going to get it fixed. How, how was it that bad? And you had all summer. You had the all camp. Yeah. That, that by far – I think that's why they lost the game is because you want to say the offense – bad play call – well – they're starting at the 15. They, they couldn't every get drive. anything going. Uh, they were there was uh, I was rewatching some of those kickoffs and you you're just watching it in amaze cuz some of these guys on Notre Dame's uh blocking team on those kickoff returns are just not getting you have to get set up and get upfield to meet the blocker and they just weren't doing it at all and that allowed Ohio State to come through. I mean, they started inside uh, around the 15 on the first drive and then inside well, here it is. the 5 on a couple. Here's here it is. They start here is Notre Dame's drives where they started. Own 15, own 5, own 25, own 13, own 5, own 21, own 29. Oh wow, there you go. Own 12, own 13, own 25. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And when you're starting over half of your drives inside the 15-yard line and with a couple inside the five, you're really not giving your offense much to work with, let alone when you have a first-time starting quarterback and you're forcing him to try and get out of those situations. That's just tough tough to ask of him. You really you got to fix that. That's step number one. Special teams, a lot of people forget about it because you have the option to give it, forget about it, but... For Notre Dame, they don't right now, and that's a third of the game they need to fix. All right, I'm a little hot now. Uh, let's let's talk about what we're um, what we're most pleased with. All right, uh, let's go to the positives. And John, what do you got? Well, I, I think a great positive was the defensive back play for this Notre Dame team. I mean, as we've mentioned, Ohio State had 
a, a lot of great receivers coming into that game. And especially in the first half, first three quarters, those defensive backs did a great job of containing that and not letting Heisman candidate C.J. Stroud find anyone downfield. And, of course, they were on the field for most of the second half, so it wore down a little bit running up and down, but they still held their own. Well, and the one negative was the couple touchdowns, obviously, at the end, but they did a double safety blitz that resulted in one of those touchdowns. Maybe the only mistake Al Golden made all game, but it resulted in a touchdown. That's not on the defensive backs. That was, well... I shouldn't say that. Maybe partially the execution. Who knows? It's hard to read those type of things. And I, I certainly, I'm not the expert in being able to say whether or not you executed the the, the play the exactly yes. the way. <laughs> I will not claim I am by any means. All I can see is a couple stick figures in the field and go, that doesn't look right. But that's not my expertise. But for the most part, I agree. That was one of my big things was uh, defensive backs were play. And my other most pleased with was Tyler Buckner. Okay, did he come out and throw for 350 yards or anything like this? No, but he was poised. He didn't throw the ball away. He didn't have any interceptions, which I thought was going to happen. They set the game plan up so that these things didn't happen, but they can still happen. And I thought for a first start on the road at number two Ohio State in what you said was the loudest environment you've ever been in, that's a really positive sign in terms of the the way he played. Here's Marcus Freeman on Buckner's play and also now looking to open the playbook up more this week. I was really pleased with, you know, his decision making um, in the last game versus Ohio State. And obviously the ability to um, not turn the ball over is so important. But, you know, as I challenge Tyler and, and the entire quarterback room is we have to continue to make plays and we made some plays, you know, he starts off the game eight for eight, but you know, we have to make those plays again when it matters the most. And that's at the end of the game, when the game's on a line, no matter if we're up three or down four, we have to make those plays. And, and so we left a lot of plays on the field um, that we didn't execute um, to where we expect to execute. And so that's the challenge. Um, we, again, the playbook's open, uh, it, again, the parameters probably from the head coach aren't as as tight as they were last week in terms of wanting to continue to control the clock, keep the ball in play, keep the clock running. Um, I want to be able to take advantage of the the really the the different looks that the defense is going to give us this week and and have a plan and and not be afraid to take shots and not be afraid to take advantage of those different um, opportunities that they're going to give us. All right, I don't know how much we'll learn about Tyler Buckner today because they could win by 50. You, you just don't know. Yeah. But we could learn a lot if they don't, right? If if it's a close game and you see some of those struggles as they open up the playbook and he makes mistakes, uh, and we talk a lot about – I think you mentioned this earlier, uh, you know, the offensive line having its issues, but it could have been a lot of – what 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 checks did Tyler Puckner put himself in that could have led to some of the disasters as well? Yeah, and in watching it, I think you see a handful of those just being able to recognize Buckner making a call and it not working out. And, and I mean, that's going to happen with a quarterback seeing that live read as starting quarterback <clears throat> for the first time. But he still did a great job of avoiding – the mistakes that cost the team the win. I mean, yes, he made a mistake where they probably got could have gotten a first down and they get three yards, and maybe that forces the punt, but he didn't turn it over, and he didn't throw any interceptions, and really that's the keys that you got to look at. All right, uh, again, Marcus Freeman said it was his edict to Reese to control the tempo, slow things down, limit Ohio State's possessions, now going to look to open up. But overall, are you concerned with the play calling? I am not. I mean, they came out with great play calling from the start, and, of course, when they – had to try to slow down the game. It slowed down the play calling, but I think they've got a great offensive mind there in Tommy Reese, and I think he's going to keep with some great play calling. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned with it. I, I think he could have made some better choices in the second half. Certainly, I don't think it was his best game um, as a play caller, but I don't think I'm looking at it like this guy doesn't know what he's doing by any means. I think I think people are way overreacting, <laughs> yeah. especially when he had the handcuffs on. From his head coach. All right. Irish Sports Saturdays is partially inter 
underwritten by Indiana Physical Therapy, serving Indiana's physical therapy needs since 1988. With 21 locations, Indiana Physical Therapy continues as an independent therapist-owned company with a heart towards patient-focused care, Indiana Physical Therapy, where people go to get better. Coming up, we'll hear from Marcus Freeman and the Irish on today's home opener. Plus, what a dream playing for Notre Dame has been for Matt Salerno. Faith, family, and football with an Irish fan turned walk-on turned scholarship wide receiver. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, back right after this. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. I don't remember if I got to tap the sign as a recruit, um, but I did tap it as a defense coordinator. Um, but, you know, once you get out of that tunnel, you know, to be able to run onto that field, it gives you goose, gives me goosebumps thinking about it, you know. And, and I know we did in the spring game to really do it when it's real. Um, it's going to be exciting. And, and I know it's not about me, and it never will be about me, but personally for me, that's going to be one you'll never forget the first time to run out of this tunnel in the Notre Dame Stadium um, when it's real, and I'm looking forward to it. That's Notre Dame football coach Marcus Freeman on what today will be like for him as it's his first game as the Notre Dame head football coach at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, uh, certainly will be an exciting time, even though his overall record's 0-2 and he's 0-1 on the season. This is kind of feels like where it really starts for him in, in many ways. I think everyone's still excited to see Marcus yeah. Freeman actually coming out of the tunnel as he was talking about for a game at Notre Dame Stadium. It's kind of an ordaining for that Notre Dame head coach to really – now we feel like he's actually the Notre Dame head coach when we see him on the sidelines in Notre Dame Stadium. And replacing Brian Kelly, of course, who went 113-40 and 40 in 12 years. Notre Dame was 54-10 and 10 in the last five years, including five straight 10-win seasons. Freeman, just 36 years old. Of course, he played linebacker at Ohio State, had to go up against his alma mater, almost pulled off the, the huge victory, now has his home opener here at Notre Dame Stadium against Marshall this afternoon. So what does it mean to the Irish players to be back at home? Here's Tariq Bracey, Riley Mills, and Kevin Ballman. feels great to be back at home, you know, fans supporting us. So we're just all excited, ready to move on, play the next game. It's great. I'm, I'm super pumped for it. Like, it's always fun when you're at home and just like you have the crowd on your side. You know, last week, you know, they weren't sharing when we were, you know, moving down the field. So, you know, it's nice to have that. I'm yeah, very excited. Um, you know, home opener is always um, exciting. You know, many reasons. You got your whole student, you know, body here, family in town, all that. Um, so it, it's exciting, you know, for the whole team. But then again, um, that's kind of the external stuff. And, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on playing a football game Saturday. So, um, you know, that's, that's our house, that's our stadium. We, we dictate what happens there. Um, you know, every, the, the veterans on this team haven't experienced many losses, more than one loss at the stadium. So, you know, that means a lot uh, to the older guys, to the younger guys, just, just carrying on that tradition. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're here to play a football game, so we're going to do that. John, you're, you're a senior at Notre Dame, so it, it's your, your final first home game of the season as well. Uh, Give us some perspective on what this game means to to the players on the field and, and obviously that large student section. Well, I mean, it's a special experience every time you either get to go to a game or play in a game at Notre Dame Stadium, and especially for the seniors on the team and in the stadium. I mean, this is what you've been loving doing for, for the last three years, and so it's, uh, it has special meaning, especially to those seniors going out onto the field, uh, but really the entire team because – it's it's only so many that you get, and I'm sure they're going to want to savor that. All right, and some of the game day traditions are returning, like mass right before the player walk. Uh, so that's great to see that uh, they'll have mass again right before the team walks out of the Basilica and then heads to the stadium. They had mass the day before the games last few years. Marcus Freeman wanted to go back to the original tradition. He remembers when he was a recruit. He knew they, they, they had mass, and uh, he explained why he wanted to go back to that this week. You know, for me, the mindset really being calm before the storm, you know, and that, again, 
I've been even my first game as the head coach at Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma State and in previous um, previous times I've been on previous teams. You can get so riled up before the game and hours before the game and and. I didn't want that, you know. As we moved forward, I want to make sure these guys are calm, and part of that is is making sure we we spend some time in reflection and at mass, and then uh, coming over here and and when the foot hits the ball at kickoff, we'll be ready to roll. But I really want to be able to be at peace and and be a little bit calm as we get ready to come into the stadium, embrace this place, and then when it's kickoff time, we'll be ready to roll. He doesn't want his guys too uh, too high before before they're getting ready to to play the game, and and it makes sense. Go in, reflect, you know, say your prayers, and get into the right mindset, and then and then go on that player walk, start getting excited. That's always fun, and then get into the stadium and get ready to go to play a football game. But I think getting rid of maybe in some ways almost getting rid of the nervous energy that the morning will bring, um, and have that peace in. In, in mass uh, is a great opportunity. I think it's great that they brought the mass back. I think it's fantastic, and you don't want to be too high or too low, and I think having mass is a perfect thing to fill that time because, I mean, we're a Catholic radio station. We know when you go and pray and you're in a space like the Basilica, I mean, you can just center yourself, kind of get a control over your thoughts, emotions, have a moment with God, and, and then go into the game, and, and it really I think it's perfect for the team. Absolutely. All right. Did you know that Redeemer Radio has started a national Catholic podcast network called Spoke Street Media? Our mission is to provide content that invites so those listening grow closer in their relationship with God. Head to SpokeStreet.com and you can find more than 40 podcasts that are now a part of our network from all over the country. Meanwhile, our fall share runs September 20th through the 23rd. You don't have to wait until then to donate. Just head to RedeemerRadio.com right now to make your pledge. All right. Let's turn now to our Focus on Faith interview. Fifth year graduate student Matt Salerno received a scholarship in the offseason he grew up a huge Notre Dame fan his grandpa came here in the 50s family has always cheered on the Irish ever since then a faithful Catholic made the crazy circus catch against Ohio State also had that offensive pass interference call against him that was a big one in this game as well but he's overall it's a great Notre Dame story Uh, of course any story that involves Notre Dame that's one of faith Family and football is a great one, and Matt Salerno is certainly one of those. Here's Focus on Faith with Notre Dame graduate wide receiver Matt Salerno. Let's start with your journey to Notre Dame, and you're you're a big Notre Dame fan growing up. Take us back to to how that was, and maybe how big of a fan you you've been. Um, well, I'd like to consider myself like the n- number one Notre Dame fan. I mean. I'm sure my brothers would say the same about themselves as well. My grandfather went here in the 50s for a little bit of time, and ever since then we've been diehard Notre Dame fans. Um, We would wake up in the morning on Saturdays and pretend we were Notre Dame football players, come and watch the game, and then once it was over we were back outside pretending to be Notre Dame football players again. So it's just huge Notre Dame fans. What were some of your your favorite moments in terms of maybe coming to a game or experiences that, that you went through as a fan? Well, I would say my favorite player growing up was Golden Tate, and so I would always watch him, and um, I was able to come out to a game in 2009. It was my first game, and all the players were leaving the stadium, and um, he was trying to get away from everyone because obviously everyone was autographed, and I was the last jersey that he signed, and you know, as a little kid, I was just, just a huge moment for me, so that's probably my, one of my favorite memories. You came to Notre Dame. I imagine you had other opportunities. Maybe you, you could have gotten a scholarship from somewhere. What made you decide, hey, I'm just going to walk onto Notre Dame um, and pass up some of, of potential opportunities? Um, well, I didn't really have many opportunities in terms of football to play anywhere else. I decided I was coming to Notre Dame just because I loved Notre Dame before I even knew football would be an opportunity. And then I was fortunate enough that once I started reaching out to the coaches and they responded to me, there was an opportunity for me to walk on. So I was coming here regardless. So you really didn't know football was going to be in the equation then when, when you when you came here? Yeah, yeah. And here you are now on scholarship playing mm-hmm. under the bright lights, made a huge catch. What Can you put that in perspective of how crazy this this journey has been for you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I try and, you know, keep that perspective. It's it's easy to get um just caught up in the moment of things, you know, when I'm, I'm out in the building working out every day, it's easy to sometimes forget, you know, where the journey started. So um, 
just for me, I always try and keep that perspective. Talking with Matt Salerno, wide receiver for Notre Dame here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our Faith Family Football Focus on Faith interview. Tell us a little bit about your faith and how important that is to you. So my faith is the number one thing that's most important to me. I think, you know, growing up as an athlete, it's really easy to let that become your identity. And I think, you know, probably around my freshman or sophomore year, I really grew in my faith, um, getting to know David Grimes, who was a strength coach here. And, you know, he really helped me try and make my faith my identity more than who I am as a football player. So, Tell us a little bit about that. I know David ran the fellowship group here, and he was former great wide receiver here at Notre Dame. But to have that group together and be able to talk about that, sometimes people say, oh, Notre Dame football, they're, they're not as faithful as people think they are. But here your faith grew while being on the team. Yes, tremendously. Um, and, you know, when Coach Grimes was here running fellowship, it was Thursdays after practice, which is, I mean, pretty much the end of the week for us going into the game. Most guys just want to go home and get out of the building. And, I mean, we probably had 30, 40, 50 guys in there every Thursday. Um, still <laughs> sweaty from practice in there, just, you know, doing fellowship for an hour or so. Um, you know, that's kind of a side of Notre Dame that people probably didn't see, but um, I think it's huge props to Coach Grimes for running that. Pre-game mass coming back. Um, how neat is that, especially, you know, that, that it, w it wasn't there for the last few years. You guys still did it day before, but mm -hmm. to do it right before you guys are going to do the walk uh, just adds to, seems like it adds to the, the atmosphere and putting you guys in the right headspace uh, pre-game. Mm -hmm. I, I agree, and, you know, as Coach Freeman kind of hit on, it's a huge part of what Notre Dame's tradition used to be. And, you know, obviously growing up as a Notre Dame fan, I'm all about the tradition. I know there's people who didn't know about Notre Dame really until they came here and probably don't care about the tradition, but at least for myself, um, you know, I'm all for it. What will your mindset be like during a pregame mass? What What are the things that you want to kind of put in perspective when, when you're taking in that mass? I mean, just kind of like I mentioned before that, you know, who I am isn't really based on what I do on the football field. It's based on my faith and just you know, to really take that time before the game to put things back in perspective that, you know, this is a huge opportunity I have in front of me and, you know, I'm extremely blessed and there's people that wish they could do this like I used to and don't have that opportunity. So just being thankful for that. We mentioned your, your grandfather earlier, your little brother's on the team here as well. How, how gratifying is that to be able to share this Notre Dame experience with him, who I imagine is also a pretty darn big uh, Notre Dame fan? It's awesome. I mean, especially, you know, when he first got here in practice, you know, I would make a play and he'd be the first one to come high five me or, you know, in the game, he was one of the first people to come up to me after the catch I made. So it's really awesome. And then, you know, sometimes on when we're doing special teams, he kicks off and I'm on the kickoff return team and I get to go chase him down and try and knock him over. So it's just been a lot of fun, you know, having him out here with me. You got on scholarship, mm -hmm. you know, earlier this year. When you received that call from from the coaching staff to say, hey, we're going to give you a scholarship. What were the next steps? What did you do to inform uh, your family that this was going to happen? I mean, they had kind of been in on the process the whole time. Um, I'd kind of been talking back and forth with Coach Reese and Coach Freeman. It wasn't like they just called me up out of the blue. We'd been talking about it if, it, if that scholarship was going to be there. So really, once I got the call, you know, I told my parents and, you know, it was, it was a no-brainer when they said that there was a scholarship for me that I'd be coming back for a fifth year. What was that conversation like with your family when you got to, to tell them? I know they're in, involved in the process, but mm -hmm. to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on a scholarship at Notre Dame, a place that your whole family has loved. It was, uh, I mean, obviously a great experience. They were very happy, very proud, especially after, you know, four years of working hard. And, you know, my older brother played at SMU and was able to earn a scholarship as well. So to just be able to, you know, follow in his footsteps as well was a great feeling. When you when you think about that now, to have a scholarship when you didn't even you were going to come to Notre Dame just as a student, let alone thinking your preferred walk on or anything like that. We talked about that journey before, but like when you think about that, is it kind of surreal to think about? It is pretty surreal. It's hard to wrap my head around. I think maybe when I'm a few years removed from here, it'll really hit me what that really means. Um, but you know, right now I'm really just focused on trying to play the best I can. Ohio State game, you got a big opportunity, and you made one of the more spectacular catches that anyone will ever see in primetime. Take us through that moment and uh, hauling in that pass that seemed like it was being tipped around for uh, an eternity. Yeah, I mean, it felt like an eternity. It was really in slow motion for me. You know, I saw the opportunity was there versus press coverage, and 
just trying to make sure that DB wasn't able to catch it and was lucky to bring it down. Did you have enough time to say a prayer in there? Because it felt like there might have been enough time for that. It, it felt like it in my head, but at that moment, you know, there's just nothing going on. It's just all slow motion. Uh, obviously, the, the game itself, uh, you know, in the end, a disappointment for you guys and a tough and a tough defeat. How do you guys now bounce back from that, use that as motivation, whatever you will, um, here against against Marshall in week two? I mean, it's obviously very disappointing, but I think we proved to a lot of people that we can compete with one of the best teams in the country, that we're one of the best teams in the country. And, you know, what Coach Freeman said was that this is our floor. That's We're only going to go up from that performance. So um, I think moving forward, it's just keeping that perspective that we're just only going to keep moving forward. Finally, it's, it's the home opener. You know, this will be your final time coming out of the tunnel for the first time in a season. Mm-hmm. How special will that moment be? To, to run out of that tunnel and just get, kick off the home season here at Notre Dame State? It's really special. I mean, any opportunity, whether it's an opener or in the middle of the season, to run out of that tunnel wearing that gold helmet is, I mean, a huge honor and privilege. And I just, I know there's people who would give their left arm to be able to do that. So I'm extremely grateful for that opportunity. Matt, thank you very much. Thank you. That is Matt Salerno, Irish graduate wide receiver on scholarship this year. Huge Notre Dame fan. Love the story of, uh, you know, getting to meet Golden Tate. And, you know, I mean, granted, this is your age group. But for me, it's like, wait, you are a kid when you met Golden Tate? It, it throws me off because, you know, this is my 16th season covering Notre Dame and Golden was there in the beginning. But it, it feels like, how are you a kid? It throws me off. And, and I'm sure that's the way for a lot of our listeners right now that, that when they think that way, it just puts in perspective uh, the group. But uh, just a great conversation. It's great to see someone be able to fulfill the dream that maybe they never would have thought was possible. But again, he was coming here as a student. He wasn't planning on being on the football team. And now He's on scholarship. I think it's funny you say that about Golden Tate because I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my gosh, I used to wait out there for Golden Tate, too. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's fantastic. He grew up getting that signature from Golden Tate, and now he goes to Ohio State, gets to wear the gold helmet and make an amazing catch like Golden Tate would have made. So I think that's just a a storybook ending for him right there. But he also, I mean, I think it's fantastic that his faith got to grow as a part of this team as well with that fellowship program. I think really it just shows that this Notre Dame football team, they have that distinction of, having strong faith throughout the team, and and I think that gives them an advantage too. All right, time for a break. When we return, it's our game day sprint to kick off. Marcus Freeman breaks down Marshall's strength, our thoughts on the thundering herd, and our predictions. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tony Letcher of Health Markets, Tony a parishioner at Quinnipiac Catholic Church in Mishawaka, and a licensed insurance agent. His services include Medicare, family or individual health insurance, or life insurance. His number is 855-776-2438. His website, tletcher.com. All right, it's time for our game day sprint to kick off home opener for Notre Dame facing Marshall. First game for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame Stadium since becoming the head coach. Marshall 1-0 coming off a 55-3 win over Norfolk State. It's Norfolk State. Uh, At Notre Dame, now ranked 8th in the country, dropping three spots after their 21-10 loss at number 2 Ohio State. This is the first ever meeting between Notre Dame and Marshall, and it will be the first time two black coaches square off at Notre Dame Stadium, Marcus Freeman versus Charles Huff. All right, let's take a look at what the breakdown is of of the Thundering Herd. Here's Marcus Freeman giving us his thoughts on pretty much every facet from defense, offense, and special teams on Marshall. Well, I think they're an extremely well-coached team. Um, you, you don't see them making a lot of mistakes, and it's a credit to Coach Huff and his staff. And uh, um, defensively, they're aggressive. Um, they're attacking. Their D-line is extremely explosive. Um, they play really hard. You know, and I think they're really good at what they do coverage-wise. You know, you see them play a little zone, a couple of different two-high coverages, and then 
Um, they'll, they'll get, you know, pressure and play some cover one. And so what they do defensively is they play fast or aggressive. Um, they're a scrappy bunch that's going to present a lot of challenges. Before I get to their offense, I'll go special teams wise. They almost rushed every punt last week and they almost blocked a couple of them. And so that's something they've shown even in the past year under Coach Hupp to do. And so we have to be prepared. we got to be able to protect our punter and, and make sure that um, we're able to protect us all the different looks and aggressiveness they have on, on their special teams units. And offensively, it all starts with their quarterback. Um, you know, obviously being a, an older guy that's played at Utah State and played at Texas Tech and, uh, you know, a coach's kid, he's a, he makes good decisions. He's athletic. He can throw it. Um, I think he presents a lot of issues. That quarterback, Henry Columbi, uh, again, uh, Utah State, Texas Tech. But I want to go to uh, what he said about the special teams. Okay, here's my thoughts. That's great. They rush the pun a lot. They shouldn't have many opportunities to – to be on the field when Notre Dame's punting because Notre Dame shouldn't have to punt the ball too much. Well, well, that's what uh, Notre Dame fans will hope. But at the same time, if Notre Dame's punting team is on the field, we saw, as we've talked about, the special team struggled a little bit. So that could be a place where Marshall tries to get an advantage back on Notre Dame. I, I think they're going to take every chance they can, yes, right? They got absolutely. to. And look, here's the bottom line. You, Notre Dame should win big, right? They're 20-point they're favorites in this game. They should win by 30, 40 points, whatever it may be. But we remember Toledo last year. We remember Ball State from a few years ago. This stuff happens, you almost know? Almost every year. <laughs> almost every year. Sometimes multiple times yeah. in a year. So it is no guarantee by any means that they're going to blow Marshall out. And let's talk about some of the reasons why. Um, and, again, you have a quarterback that played at Texas Tech uh, he's an older guy. He's 23 years old. This is his fifth season playing college football. That doesn't happen often because of the COVID rule. He gets a fifth year. His name's Henry Columbia. Look at these numbers last week. 24 of 26 passing, 205 yards, a touchdown, and interception. That's actually not that many yards for completing 24 passes. Yeah. So he's he's throwing short passes, and that's something they got to be cognizant of defensively. Well, and he's throwing good passes. I mean, 24 of 26. He is, as we said, he's older. He's been there for a while. He's making the right reads. As Marcus Freeman mentioned, he's a coach's son. He's uh, been in a lot of different offenses. So he's a smart quarterback and one that will make few mistakes, as Freeman alluded to. So that's something that the defense is going to have to to watch out for because they're facing a, a guy with a high football IQ. Two running backs, they're actually the backup running backs. Their star running back is out right now, but two running backs that rushed for over 100 yards last week. And the wide receiver, Corey Gamage, is the guy to, to watch for. He's led the team in, in receptions the last two years, so they got a veteran there at wide receiver as well. That always that also helps in a big way for, for a, a, you know, a fifth-year quarterback. Yeah, you have Colombian at quarterback, and then you got Corey Gamage, and then Brian Robinson coming from Florida State over. So it's not like they don't have any threats. You might argue theirs is looking a little better than Notre Dame's was going into <laughs> the season, but uh, it, they they definitely it's not an offense to be overlooked. All right, let's turn to the Irish offense versus the Marshall defense. The guy to watch for defensively, Charlie Gray. Number one, he's got eight tackles and a one and a half tackles for loss last week. And then senior defensive lineman number 32, Kobe Cumberlander, seven tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. He had 13 and a half career sacks, so he's the active leader in that category. And they're both very good, and the defense is very good. Something that could challenge Notre Dame's offensive line, Kobe Cumberlander and that defensive line are, are strong. They're by no means Ohio State, but they're still a strong defensive line, and they could cause some problems. Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tyrac. Tyrac also underwrites our internship program with students from our two Michiana Catholic high schools, St. Joseph and Marion. The students receive practical college-level internship experience and class credit as they help out with our broadcasts of high school football and basketball. More tires, great prices. Visit TireRack.com. All right, John, we say all that. What do you want to see from the Irish here today? Well, I want to see a uh, no-mistake football game, and that's a lot to ask, but you, you can't have any mistakes because, as we said, Marshall will capitalize on them. The offensive line needs to get it together, put together a good long drives down the field that end with uh, a good rush into the end zone by Diggs, Estimate, Tyra, someone getting right in there. And uh, they're going to want on defense basically do what they did for three quarters last week and completely shut down, get a lot of tackles for a loss, get a lot of sacks, and really – a good, clean performance all around. I'd like to see them be super aggressive. 
in every facet. I want to see them be aggressive on offense, take some chances, make some plays happen. I want to see Lorenzo Styles targeted a whole lot. Let's let him do something. I I want to see um, defensively more of the same of last week. Obviously, their one aggressive play didn't work out well. The the two safety blitz. Well, you say their one aggressive play, but uh, you're right. And, yeah, and they they ran a similar play to that earlier in the game, and it worked. And I think that might have been part of the problem. But they they were aggressive throughout. And I want to be aggressive in the return game. Okay, <laughs> that that's what I want to see. Now that goes to your point. I want to see them be aggressive. But they also have to not make mistakes in that process. That's what happens when you get aggressive. You're going to make mistakes. This is a good opportunity to be aggressive and then also see, okay, how many mistakes comes with it. Obviously, you can't jeopardize the outcome of the game, but you gotta you gotta prepare yourselves for the rest of the season to see what you really have now against look, it's lesser competition, one way or another. You don't want to downgrade Marshall, but they're not Ohio State. And you gotta do the right things here tonight. And you have to stay in it mentally. And I think you're right. You got to get in aggressive from the start. You got to get that early lead, so no mistakes, and then open up the playbook as we've heard them talk about, and see kind of what happens there, and really get a test of this team. All right, how does this one play out? What's your prediction? Well, I think it's not going to quite be uh, as offensive heavy for Notre Dame. I think the defense is obviously going to do a great job, and I think that's going to prevent Marshall from getting into the end zone. So I think it's going to be 34-3, to Notre Dame getting the win. All right, we're on, we're on similar wavelengths. I got Notre Dame 38-7. to Marshall will get one fleeting opportunity at some point. Uh, the question is, is it going to – you know, we're, we're all expecting – we're expecting Notre Dame to handle this one pretty easily. And, again, does it turn into one of those Toledo or, Marsh, uh, Toledo or Ball State games? And then, really, you're going to rile up that – 10 or 20 percent increases a little bit more if that happens I think that's uh, very much a possibility having been a Notre Dame football fan for so long and a student now I've seen uh too many games where at halftime against Marshall it's 10 to 7 just like it was against Ohio State (laughs) all right John thank you very much that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays Notre Dame FCU where you bank does matter thanks to our audio operator today Zach Smith for John Brock I'm Angel DiCarlo Notre Dame and Marshall 2 30 p.m. Eastern 1 30 p.m. Central kickoff at Notre Dame Stadium for Marcus Freeman's home opener you can watch nationally on NBC we'll be back with you here next Saturday for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays we close in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Enjoy today's game. Redeemer Radio is on a mission to nurture disciples and provide hope for those who are searching. Be a part of this mission and join us for share September 20th through 23rd. Here, local priests talk about how Redeemer Radio has impacted their parish communities. Then hear those parishioners tell their stories of finding hope, joy, and faith through Redeemer Radio. Become inspired and lend your support to Redeemer Radio, September 20th through 23rd.